2: Hi, I'm Jules von Hepp. Hello,
1: I'm Sarah Powell.
2: And welcome to Wobble, a podcast about happiness and body confidence. Because
1: we all wobble. This final episode of the series of Wobble was recorded live in front of a gorgeous audience of Wobble fans and in association with the lovely people at Olivia Burton. The whole evening and the recording was done to mark this year's Mental Health Awareness Week. It is the most incredible chat with Jo from Time to Change and Lauren from Girl vs. Cancer. So we want to start by thanking them again for being part of it. And also to Olivia Burton for working with Wobble, which was such an absolute pleasure. Um, finally, this episode begins with a guided meditation from Kirsty Rayner, which if you can take Take part in, please treat yourself and do. Oh well hello! Oh well hello and hello. Hello, everyone! Hi. Hi. Hi! Um thank you so much for coming um to Wobble Live with Olivia Burton! Woo! <laughs> Um, it sold out so quick. I didn't even have a chance to mention it on my stories that and like as you know I put everything on my stories <laughs> and I didn't have a chance but we are we were completely like beside ourselves yeah. so thank you for being quick and buying tickets
2: just by being here we've raised over 500 pounds for Mental Health Foundation just from being here and drinking <laughs> they that's so good um, also, this is a live podcast recording, so don't take any conference calls. Yes. Yeah. put your phone on aeroplane mode.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Can you check your phones? Just check it. So, obviously, mental health is something that we talk about a lot on Wobble. Um, it's our body confidence and happiness podcast. And so, we are absolutely thrilled to be doing tonight in honor of Mental Health Awareness Week, which is happening next week. Um, so, the episode will go out next Wednesday. It's going to be for the finale of season three. Um, So we cannot, we're just so thrilled to be able to do this with Olivia Burton in collaboration with them to be able to really mark and honour how important next week is.
2: And Olivia Burton, they're all about mental health and wellness is one of Olivia Burton's core brand pillars. Um, It's a key source of inspiration for them. As a brand that's working towards being kinder to each other on this planet, kindness is at the core of what they do and what they believe that starts with being kinder to ourselves. I'm all about being kind to myself yeah,
1: it's really nice and actually so much of mental health I think with our own mental health starts with kindness and I think it's you know we often think about kindness being for other people but we quite rarely think about kindness being for ourselves and I think it's good I think actually it's a lot easier to be mean to yourself than it is to be kind to yourselves. And it is, I think it's a choice. Do you know what I mean? I think it's a conscious choice that we've got to make and go, do you know what? I'm being, I'm really beating myself up for this. Can I be a bit kinder? Um, so with that in mind, we've got an amazing panel here tonight. Look how gorgeous Lauren is. Here she is. This is our a wobble favourite, Lauren Mahon, who is the founder of Girl vs. Cancer and also has just won a Webby Award. Yes, well done, is Lauren. spectacular. Thank you. Thank you. And we also have Joe Lochran, who is sat here gorgeous in pink. Joe is the director of Time to Change which is the mental health and anti-stigma movement. It's run by the charity's Mind and Rethink Mental Illness. Okay, so we're absolutely honoured to have Joe here tonight with us as well.
2: It's going to be such a lovely conversation. I can't wait to have all of this chat. I'm like super excited. Um, but we also have Kirsty Rayner. Now, Kirsty is one of my BFFs but also So a meditation teacher. Now, Kirsty has calmed us down as friends so many times. And if anyone in the room came to form, Kirsty gave a guided meditation. Um, If any of you have never had meditation before. My honest advice to you is just go with it. Um, Just try and relax yourself. Try and open your mind. Close your eyes if you want to. I definitely will be. Yeah,
1: I think it really helps. I think it will really help and it will stop you getting distracted by somebody next to you going, are they doing it? Is everyone just not doing it? And it's only me. So yeah, do close your eyes. But we wanted to do it just to bring us all into this Mm -hmm. space together. Just whatever's happened today, just kind of leave it behind so we can all just kind of be together for the next sort of hour or so. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
3: So, hi, everybody. Um, The first point I want to make, as always, is with meditation, have no expectation. Every single day is different. You'll feel different. It's a really great gift to give to yourself with your mind, your body, and your breath. So bearing that in mind, just gently closing your eyes. Try not to force them shut, but just allowing the eyes to just naturally close and let's take a deep inhale all together. Exhale, take a deep breath, inhale, and exhale. With every inhale that you take, I want you to find the natural rhythm of your breath, but I want you to imagine a feeling of lightness, the breath rising through the body, And with an exhale, you feel heavier. You start to relax further into the seat. Noticing what is touching the seat now, the weight, your feet on the floor, maybe your back against the chair. Just feeling that sensation of grounding. Knowing that with every breath you take, you are creating a safe environment, a collective energy together. You are totally safe and totally supported. Remembering in meditation, we never like to say, think of nothing, but we are going to choose what thoughts we want to connect with in this moment. And right now, all I want you to think about is the breath deep breath in, deep breath out, the rising with the inhale and the falling with the exhale. Finding that rhythm of your breath. And as you inhale, imagine that you're inhaling fresh energy that we're creating for each other in this room. With every exhale, just allow any stress to leave the body, any worries, maybe any heartache, any pain. Consciously choosing for it to leave the body, leave the mind. Breathing in, breathing out, and I want you to begin to visualize your breath now, moving up the front of the body with an inhale from the toes to the top of the head, and as you exhale, the breath is behind, creating this loop of energy for yourself, inhaling positivity, Exhaling that negativity, all is behind you. Allowing yourself to be in this moment, in this stillness. If the mind begins to wander, we just come back to this breath. We inhale at the front. Exhale behind. Try to slow your breath. When you found your natural rhythm of your breath, bringing your attention now to the body, noticing if you're holding on to any tension in the forehead, try to relax that space. Relaxing the eyebrows, allowing your eyelids to be heavy, not forcing them shut. Trying to relax your cheeks, relaxing the mouth, maybe turning the corners of the mouth upwards giving yourself that inward smile, relaxing the jaw, we hold so much tension in this space, Trying to breathe deeply into the throat. Relaxing your shoulders. Allowing your arms to feel heavy. Relaxing your hands and your fingers. Bring in your attention to the top of the spine as it melts all the way down. You become heavier. You feel relaxed. Breathing into the chest. Deep breath into the belly. Allowing your hips to feel heavy. Your legs feel heavy. And finally relaxing your feet and your toes. Your whole body feels heavy. Your mind feels calm. Keep breathing in. Breathing out. Taking a deep inhale all together. (sighs) Exhale. And on your next inhale, slowly opening your eyes. Bringing your awareness back to your mind and your body. And just taking a moment for yourself in this stillness. Thank you so much, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Oh, you all looked so relaxed.
0: I'm, just,
2: I'm like, so relaxed. All like, oh. <laughs> I but, mean,
1: that and a glass of Prosecco, it's <laughs> all
2: you need. But, but that is why meditation is so wonderful because instantly you switch off. Like, I I switched off instantly and, like, just calmed down and we're all together in the same frame of mind now. It's lovely. It
1: is lovely. And it's such a lovely reset, you know? It really takes you out of whatever's going on. And then when you come back round, you're like, oh, yeah, we're here. Oh, yeah, this room doesn't look the same that it did just before that. Kirsty, thank you so much. Kirsty. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Welcome, Joe.
1: Um, Joe, it'd be really lovely to start with you, actually, okay. if we could, because um, for sort of anybody here who's not absolutely clear on what time for change is, time to change, I should say, is, and why it's so important, and why you wanted to set it up in the first place, just explain a little bit about it. Um, so we're all
4: about changing the way all of us um, think and act towards those of us, and I include myself in this, who have experienced mental health problems. So when we first started this, the two charities, Mind and Rethink Mental Illness, We were talking to the people that we support and they were saying, you know, it's great, you know, we go out, we get treated differently, we get treated negatively, people call us names, people spit at us. And we just thought, I was going to swear, but I have been told I can swear. You can. Um, and basically, we basically said, that's just bloody outrageous. And so we really wanted to, to make that change. So we've spent the last 10, 11 years doing exactly that, making sure that we're addressing some of those uh, negative thoughts and feelings and myths that people have around mental health. So it's all about changing that stigma and that discrimination.
2: And do you think stigmas around mental health still exist? Because uh, Sarah and I are both really open about our mental health and when I was growing up it was a thing that you don't talk about your mental health and you shove it to the back of your mind and you'll just deal with it later but yeah. for me that was not great and it, the knock-on effect was quite big yeah. like are the, are the stigmas still there?
4: Yeah I mean I think we've so we've done a lot of work so we track how um, people are thinking and acting towards those with mental health we work with the Institute of Psychiatry to, to, to do that over this last 10 years so we know that we've changed like f- millions of people's attitudes so we've seen a kind of 9.6% positive influence in terms of how people think about mental health and that we reckon is about 40 4.1 million people who now have more positive attitudes towards those of us with mental health problems but there are still you know you'll you'll recognize it you know if we if we if we remember that one in four of us in this room and that's a that's an average will experience a mental health problem there'll be lots of people in this room who are sitting there going yeah I do but I wouldn't stand up in this room right now and say that I'm experiencing that or I have experienced that. That's, that's experiencing self-stigma. It's that, it's that inability to be able to be open about what's going on for us. So in certain audiences, um, it's definitely still there. We've made loads and loads of progress. We've still got a way to go. And there are certain target audiences that we are now working with. So can I just get the, the guys in the room to put their hands up, first of all? Fantastic. I want to just say massive congratulations for you guys to be in this room when we're going to be talking about this stuff cuz with the exception of you guys for the purposes of the podcast there was two there were two there, there was yes. two in yes. the room there two in the room. Yeah. So obviously with the exception of you guys people aren't men aren't talking about mental health. They're really really lagging behind the ability to be able to talk about their own experience. Or to talk about mental health with their friends and their friendship group. So what we've been doing over the last five years is really targeting men and trying to get them thinking about it, not about their own mental health because they don't do that, but about actually thinking about would you be in your mate's corner? Because of course they would. You know, you talk to any any guy and you sort of say, well, if your mate was struggling with anything, would you want to be there and support? And of course they say, yeah, absolutely. So we've kind of gone in with that kind of Trojan horse in terms of trying to, you know, get men thinking about their own mental health by getting them thinking about the mental health of their mates. So, yeah, there's still, there's still a way to go.
1: Where does that stigma come from? Do you think particularly with men? What is it? Is it the laddishness? I don't know, because not all men are lads, so it can't just be a bit of that.
4: Well, it's that kind of cultural thing, isn't it? If we think about it, you know, women are uh, really encouraged to talk about their feelings. They have our, we have our friendship groups. We talk to each other about stuff. And sometimes that ability just to talk about it before it gets to a crisis point is, is the absolute key. But if you think about the way in which we bring up our young men, we definitely bring them up not to talk about stuff like this. You know, it's that stiff upper lip. It's that kind of boys don't cry. It's, it's, it's not allowing people the permission to talk about it. So I often, you know, when I'm out and about and talking to people about what I do for a living, it's like this deluge. So I say to sort of, you know, work in mental health and suddenly people tell me everything. And that's because they know they're going to be safe in talking to me about it. Mm -hmm. But if you're a guy and you're maybe talking about it for the first time with your mates, you have no idea how that's gonna be received. And maybe you've had really bad experiences in the past or the banter that we sometimes have might mean that you think, oh, I'm a bit reluctant because the last time, you know, Joe Bloggs talked about this was a really negative reaction. So we're really shy about doing it.
2: I've definitely experienced that from being really open about my mental health on Instagram. A lot of my guy friends have come forward and we've been in the pub having pints. I sound like a lad, I'm really not. But yeah, I was having a spritzer. Um, But they have then opened up more. And I think for men, it's just knowing that it is a safe environment. I think it's about feeling that they won't be judged. And it's okay to not feel okay. Lauren, do you definitely uh, like, how do you find that men talk about cancer and mental health?
5: It's similar. I think, as we said, like, as women, we kind of bond through chat. Like, that's quite a stereotype and, like, in generalization, but we do. And with men, I think it's seen as a physical weakness in them. So, they don't want to talk about it and they're also very scared and they don't know what to do so it's kind of the double whammy then of like the physical we like scary situation as well as like a mental one that's actually something that we get a lot of when we talk on the podcast or when I do stuff with girl versus cancer I've got a lot of male friends and a lot of men who have cancer that I know but they are few and far between that will actually come and have a conversation about it generally they're like we don't know where to go and if they feel like they don't want to be seen as physically weak and almost convince themselves yeah. that it's not happening. It's a little bit of denial, I think, with the cancer stuff. Do you think And with mental is it, health.
1: Yeah. Uh, is yeah. it the
4: same? Yeah. The same with it's mental totally health? totally the same. Yeah. You, you, uh, and again, I'm, this is a terrible generalisation, but just go with it, because we've done lots of insights research that supports all of this. But just generally, men aren't very good at seeking help for anything, health, you know, because it's this that scene as a sort of weakness, isn't it? And that whole thing around I've got to be the one that supports everybody else. So there's this this is just culture upon culture upon culture expectation cultural expectations that we set up for for people. No wonder we just got to be able to give them permission, give mm-hmm. people permission that we can absolutely talk about this and it'll be all right. It'll be received well.
1: Mm-hmm. And do you think, Lauren? I mean, is there the same stigma that Joe was talking about? Is there the same stigma for talking about cancer? I think there definitely was,
5: but I think it's because not because you're going to be seen as you know or you know the stigma like you're crazy or this or that um or you're like oh you're weak because just get a grip i think in cancer world people don't talk about it because they're terrified of it so for me i know that i didn't know a lot about cancer beforehand um and what i did know was scary and no one really talked about it or spoke about it in a way that i felt comfortable with i think that's what it was it was clinical cold scary um scaremongering so that's why people kind of had that stigma that cancer is bald in a hospital bed, you're gonna die. That's not what cancer looks like at all.
4: And I think that's a really, I think there's another really important thing there is around recovery. So I think as well, um, and this is, this, is, this is common across you know, men, f- male, female. It's that sense that you might not recover so it, it it's not just the kind of... I've got a, a physical or a mental health problem. It's the kind of people have been told... ...that once you get a mental health problem... ...that you have it for life. Well, that might be true... ...but I had mental health problems from a, from being a teenager... Mm. ...and I still manage them. But that's fine. I manage them. Mm. And that's just a part of who I am. So I bring my whole self to the party, to work, to wherever. Mm. And that's really important, that yeah. whole sense of having some hope.
5: Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, for most people... They, when they look at someone with cancer, or they hear about a story, you, we all, we're all guilty of it. We see our own mortality in them. Yeah the minute I got told I had cancer and I said to someone I'd be so flippant, I'd be like yeah i got tick cancer and they'd be like oh my god and I'd be like no it's going to be fine, I'm going to be alright, I'm just going to have no air for a bit. Do you know what I mean? It's You see it in them, they're like oh my god this could happen to me too. Yeah. So it's seeing that in themselves and I've, I realised as well like I've, I had mental health stuff and I was, um, in. My, well I, I think you carry it with you. So I yeah. had health anxiety and I definitely couldn't talk to my friends of, about it. I felt like when I actually got diagnosed with severe depression, anxiety, I went home and I spoke I, I was at home I thought I'd be home alone my dad walked in from work and I was like oh my god because I was sobbing in the front room just being told by the doctor like we're gonna get you some help and he was like what's wrong And I went I'm broken he was I like, went there's something wrong with me I'm broken and it's that thing isn't it because that's how we were made to feel go back so what oh my god I feel old now 10 years ago I was like 24 no one spoke about mental health the way that we do now thank god that we do that now Thank God. Yeah.
2: I love what you said earlier about bringing your whole self to the party, um, because I think that's something that if you're having mental health issues, you shove that to the back and yeah. you're like, oh, I'll just put the shop front up, but actually in the stock room it's a bit of a mess. <laughs> but when you take everything to the party, yeah,
5: it's such a good analogy. Cheers,
2: thanks a lot. I'm here all night. Yeah. Um, Apart from taking your whole self to the party, what other coping mechanisms are there if you are feeling and in terms of like wobble a little bit wobbly? Yeah.
4: I mean, I th- so that's um, that's going to be different for everyone. I mean, so f- for me personally, the thing that um, the thing that I really really appreciate is just being out in nature. So I really love going on long walks. I don't have to be with anybody else. Actually, it's really just lovely to see nature do its thing and you and it just gives you this amazing for me it gives me this amazing perspective on life it doesn't make anything go away it doesn't mean that some of those intrusive thoughts that I have or feeling down and depressed will suddenly get better but it does mean that I can have some a break from it that's the way I would describe it for those minutes while I'm out in nature enjoying all of that it's like I can have an appreciation of something other than what I might be going through at that me- moment in time.
1: Mm-hmm. There's something else as well about showing yourself, you know that kindness that we mentioned earlier? Okay. When you take yourself, it's such a huge act of self-care, isn't yeah. it? To go, I need nature and I'm, I'm yeah. going to get out there. Whatever we need. Yeah. And it's so much about learning yeah. what our thing is. What I'm still learning, mine. Yeah,
5: I really, yeah. really am. But I, my coping mechanism, like in terms of the cancer stuff and my mental health, in my mid-20s, it's been CBT. Cognitive behavioral therapy works quite well for me. It's that of I'm not sure if any of you are familiar with it in the room, but it's that whole thing of training your brain when a negative thought comes in. I always use the train analogy, it's my favorite. It pulls into the station of your mind. And I used to get on that train and end up in Panicville and be like, oh, panic attack. Um, now it pulls into the station. I go, what's up, train? On you go. <laughs> and that's literally what you have to train your brain to do. You have to be accepting of, okay, I feel that way. I'm not giving it energy. And then you almost distract yourself. Yeah. Like, girl versus cancer is the biggest distraction technique ever. I just distracted myself from what was going on. But um, I actually, something really, really, something came up on Instagram. You know, I love an Instagram quote. And I honestly, it made such sense to me. A couple of weeks ago, I was having a really, really, really bad mental health time. I couldn't function. I literally felt like... You know, people feel like they're having an episode. I think that's the closest I've ever come. My brain was so full, I just wanted to take it out and, like, throw it in the sink and just be like, wash it. It's too messy. (laughs) I just felt like I was a bit, like, manic in my head. And I felt really down and I couldn't get out the funk and I was just like, I know that exercise will make me better but I can't find the energy to go. I know this will make me feel better. I know I'll do work but I can't because I'm too distracted and... And this thing came up on Instagram and basically said something along the lines of, if you do not give yourself time every single day to do nothing, actually stop, your body will take all of the time you owe it back all at once and you will find yourself sitting at the end of your bed sobbing between breaths going, what is wrong with me? and there was nothing wrong with you, you forgot to give yourself time. And I just went, oh, mic drop. (laughs) That is literally what's just happened. I had been so manic with work and life and just being a busy bee anyway, you guys know what I'm like, that I'd actually forgotten to give myself a break and time. And it came back and it bit me in the bum bum. So for me, now I really try... It's little things, like yeah. with, my, with my team and stuff, well, my team, my manager, which makes me sound very <laughs> wanky. I'm not. <laughs>
2: um,
5: we've, we've made an agreement. Now, I don't really do breakfast meetings or like stuff at, for, between the hours of nine and 11 because that's my time. So if I want to run, if I want to do yoga, if I want to make breakfast, if I want to just answer the emails I didn't get to do a week, that's my time. And that is making a big difference to me. Yeah, because it
1: is every day, yeah. isn't it? It is. And, and I think that seems a lot, do you know what I mean? At first, it's a bit like, "Oh my God, this is going to be such hard work. I've got to do something every day," and it does take effort and it does take choice. But it's not enormous amounts. Is it? It's a couple of minutes, really. It's, it's, uh, you know, Kirsty just gave us a seven-minute meditation. You're all done for the day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everybody here. But in a, and it is. It's only a small bit,
5: isn't it? It's hard though with our lifestyles yeah. and the way things are. And there's always something to be done. I don't know about you guys, but when I get like half an hour to myself, I no longer sit and go. Half an hour, that's lovely magazine bath. I'm like, half an hour, I can do all my social media posts for the next two days. It's like I'm, I'm constantly trying to fill my time and be efficient, that I actually forget that I need to be, I'm only as good as space I give myself.
2: But I think as well, like in today's society, our phones, we are on all the time we can be answering emails all the time answering DMs on social all the time checking Twitter Mm -hmm. watching TV and actually there isn't that much time to step back Mm -hmm. and once you realise that you have got to step back and take that time then all that those little moments can add up so I have this thing like when I boil the kettle I stand by the kettle I don't leave it and so that it's just like two minutes but I'm like this it's me in the kettle and that's it but it's a really Really helpful. It just like puts me in the right frame of mind for the day. Yeah.
4: And I think the other thing as well is about it, it, that I found really helpful is is kind of reaching out. So I'm going to big up my husband now. He's the best, <laughs> and he really is fabulous. Mm. And he's like he's like both my biggest fan, but also for those moments where I'm just kind of like oh, broken is such yeah. a lovely word, you know, that where I'm kind of thinking, oh my goodness me, I can't imagine what I'm going to do next. He doesn't fix anything. He really doesn't. He mm. just, so I can talk to him and say things to him that I think would floor other people mm. just in terms of where I'm at in my headspace. And he, he never says, well, you need to do this. You need to do this. He'll just silently hear what I'm saying. I can't tell you how amazing that is. So mm. if you're in a room and you're supporting other people, I'd really, really encourage you to just say nothing. It's amazing. It really is, really, really good. Mm. And how easy is that? Because everybody thinks that being supportive for somebody who's experiencing mental health problems—you have problems, to fix
5: it. You have to, fix it. You My have to be an it, expert. Yeah. You yeah. have to do all she that kind of stuff. Tina does it. She that's, does it. That's a mum thing, right? <laughs> she does. Yeah. And I feel so bad. Sometimes I just want to say I'm having a really bad week. Yeah. I don't need you to tell me how to make it better. I know how I
1: should really be yeah. making
5: it better, but I just need to say it and be supported. That's yeah. so good. That's so, so true. Powerful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because yeah. I was. Uh, was going to ask you, do you think people avoid talking about mental health and cancer because they don't know what to say? they're scared of saying the wrong thing, so they just avoid talking about it altogether? i I would say cancer about one hundred percent yes
5: for me, most people get such a shock that they start talking about cancer, and the first thing they do is start telling you about someone that's died, and I'm like, mate oh, oh <laughs> ah, shush. um, but I think it's because it is that that fear and that shock, and people are so terrified when I started talking openly about cancer and, like, through the work that I've done on the podcast and stuff, the things that people do say mostly are, I'm just so scared of saying the wrong thing. And the messages I get on Instagram mostly are, what can I do? What should I say? How should I act? Because everyone knows it's such a fragile situation I think the best thing to do is just be yourself if you're the kind of person who's going to be like dismissive I know that I help Deb on the pod because when she has anxieties too rightly like she's got stage 4 cancer she's worried it's here there and everywhere every 2 minutes which is a normal anxiety but she'll, I'll sit on the train with her and it will be constantly my head my headaches, my headaches I'm like babe and she, but she's got the sniffles as well mm. so I'm like babe if you've either got a cold like me or you're dying and she's like yeah maybe I'm like probably is but we can have that banter yeah. because it makes her feel better because it makes her go oh no one's going no one's dismissing or minimalizing her s- symptoms or uh, her feelings does that make yeah. sense yes yeah. because
1: that's a relationship that you have with her yeah so that's not going to work for everyone no but it's it's but it's the right thing to do but is just to be yourself. yeah honor that relationship i myself yeah.
5: with her if i change being that way she'd get really annoyed at me and be like why are you acting weird and i felt the same when i got diagnosed some people avoided me yeah. i've lost friends that's fine but I've lost friends because they didn't know what to do. So you do have that thing where people are
4: really afraid because they don't—they—they don't, they, they don't want to open a whole can of worms. That's the other thing as well. So there's this kind of massive myth where you kind of go, uh, "Oh yes, okay, so you know, I'm feeling—you uh, know—I've had a really long, prolonged period of feeling really, really depressed." And people go, "They—they they literally take a step back." Do you have that as well, where people just almost take a step back?
5: Yeah, or they're like, "Oh, shiny,
4: what's over here?" Absolutely, yes. yeah, total yeah. distraction, yeah. yeah. And it's because it comes from a place of fear. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, I think you're absolutely right about about just do the things that you would normally do, and spend time with each other in the same way that you would always spend time with each other. If banter's your thing, then banter's your thing. But you know, don't don't worry about saying the wrong thing. I think that's the thing. Loads of people are paralysed by the fact that they might say the wrong thing. If you were, to, and I'm sure this is the same to you, if somebody were to say something to you that you were offended by, you'd just
5: basically tell them, wouldn't you? That's so how you're having a laugh. <laughs> you can't exactly. ask me that. When I was at my previous job, um, I had one of senior member of staff. I went back into work after my second chemo and I had a nice little Frey tuck, monk ball patch going on at the top. So I had, my ba- I had my bandana on and he was like, how are you doing? I said, Joe, yeah, am I? He's like, and he pointed at my scarf. I said, Joe, yeah, it, started, it started to come out. I've got a bit of a ball patch. He went, can I see? And I just went, No. <laughs> I can see yours clear as day <laughs> idiot but it's those things but I like I, I'm like you're an idiot but I think he said it because he didn't know what else to do I'm like why would you want me to take my scarf up in the middle of the office so a little weird but he's also the kind of guy who would also tell you like ask to see your tits so let's not <laughs> <laughs> he's not the kind of man sure. he's yeah. not yeah. the kind of man yeah.
6: around. when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring
2: Like, what are the common pitfalls that people fall into? Is it just not talking about it? um, Or are there any other pitfalls when it comes to mental health?
4: Well, I think it is. I I think it's making it's it's making assumptions about what people might need from you. So, I so I think the the thing to do is to start with the relationship that you have with that person. So, um, uh, you know, your 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 work colleague. You know, again, you could probably just tell him to sod off, Mm. and that would have been absolutely fine. So, you know, there's the worry that everything that you then say is going to be really analysed to the nth degree. So stop. Feeling like that because it won't be um and just feel comfortable with with you know
5: how you're feeling with that person i think and i think so as well like even if you're yourself it's your mental health like it's part of who you are like i'm in bloody medical menopause so there are times when i'm just a little bit like prickly Ooh. i don't mean to be that's not who i am and the minute i've come around the other side of the the storm in front of my eyes i'm like i'm really really sorry like, this is what's going on. I don't I didn't mean that. Like, you are who you are and you're allowed to be that person. No one's perfect. No one has all the answers right all the time. Yeah. We're constantly evolving as people and we're learning about ourselves as well as other, those around us. So that's what I find as well. As much as other people say it to me, sometimes I have to be kind to myself yep. and be like, there's a reason why I've reacted that way or there's a reason. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It sounds like so much of it is about visibility as well being visible for that person like you said that you lost friends over it people avoid it because they don't know what to do so they disappear don't they so I mean we've talked a lot about how to approach somebody else's sort of um, mental health or or if they've got cancer how do we talk how do we talk about our own mental health Joe? First thing is um, in the way that's best boundaried for you is, I think the
4: biggest piece of advice I'd give so um, if you feel comfortable talking about it in a public arena, then go for it. If if not, then, then don't. There's no expectation that you would disclose. And I think one of the best things that we can do is to demonstrate um, really clearly how open we are to receiving messages around mental health, even if it's not about talking about your experience, or your friend, or colleague's experience, but but the whole topic area of, of mental health. Let's just all be really comfortable about that. I think that's a really, you know, top tip for me anyway.
2: There might be listeners listening right now, and you might think, "Oh, mental health. This all sounds a bit heavy. This is a bit serious." But mental health comes in all different shapes and sizes, and it might be that you yourself are not struggling, but you might have a friend or family member around you that is what kind of signs should we be looking out for to make sure that those around us are okay?
4: So definitely look for stuff that might seem or feel different about that person. So if you know the person really, really well, you'll know whether or not they're on their game or not on their game. And I think for us, the big thing that we've um, been always thinking about is that thing where you say to people, hey, how are you doing? You all right? Good. Okay. So anyway, On the weekend, I'm going to be, so you've kind of asked the question, you've answered it in the same time, or what we often do as well, in the answer to that question, you might turn around to me and say, I'm fine, thanks, okay, good, I'm just going to, we're all going to move on now, because it's awkward and uncomfortable, and we don't want to do it. We're really encouraging people to kind of ask twice. Because it's really interesting when you do that thing where you say, how you doing? Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. And then somebody says, yeah, they're thinking, "Oh, well, yeah, but I'm not quite sure that you're actually right. And then they say again, Ashley, how are you really doing? It's amazing how many people open up at that second question. So, you know, definitely be doing that, I would say. And then make sure that you just you're open to hearing what people have got to say so there's a massive skill in listening to what somebody has to say and asking open questions and reflecting back to them what it is that you think you're hearing to make sure that you're all on the you know right page And I don't want to to trivialise the enormity of the support that people get by saying this, but I'm going to anyway. It's not actually difficult. I promise you it's not difficult. You're not going to be left thinking, I've made somebody think about something really negative. They're not. You're not going to get to that stage. What you're going to do is somebody's going to say to you, for the first time in my life, I feel one listened to, and that somebody really asked me a question and really wanted to know what the answer was oh, that's so powerful,
1: so powerful. And that is sometimes all it takes, isn't it? It is that simple to ask the question twice and then just listen to what the answer is. Because I think, I mean, certainly with cancer, cancer seen as something so physical, isn't it? It's so physical. And actually, I think the mental health stuff, you know... It, i don't want to say it gets forgotten about but it's sort of it's considered secretary but mental health when you're going through cancer must be huge it must be is it almost bigger i don't know it's for me i hate using battle
5: terminology because i don't think it's a fight to be won or lost it's it's not a fair one anyway for me it was the mindset i had to very quickly get into a mindset of game on game face like let's go bear grills head down it was It was that because I feel like like with anything that is hard, you can go down a rabbit hole. I haven't had my previous mental health past. I know that I have the capacity to get into a very dark place. If I got there, too rightly, I should have been cut up in a ball going, life is horrendous because it was at that time and I would be within my right. However, knowing myself that well, I know that if I got to that place, I wouldn't be coming out. And I had to kind of say to myself, this is going to go where it's going. I'm going to convey about a treatment now. Me laying down and making this hard for myself and being like an absolute stress ball is not going to do me any favours if I can just try and do the little things to like bring my mental health back into the room and a lot of that did involve watching Gossip Girl and Game of Thrones and anything to distract me or going out for a walk once a day just because I got out the house and sometimes it would be just trying to draw on my eyebrows because I was like I will get good at this but it's it's it was a massive massive mental thing and I think that's why so many cancer patients talk about the aftermath of a cancer treatment, and they are like, so many people suffer severe depression afterwards. It's because during that time you're so focused on getting through. Afterwards, that can all feel quite overwhelming. What you've been through and the trauma is very much there. I know I'm still very much unpicking my trauma, um, and that's something that I've I've had to really revisit recently because I think I survived by putting it in a, in a bit of a box. Yeah. And now I'm having to like lift that lid a little bit each time, just to otherwise it's going to come back and bite me on the ass, isn't yeah. it? So
1: something that we talked about last time you were on Wobble was um, how different you felt, like how different you felt about yourself, about life, about other people, having gone through cancer. Do you think your mental health is a lot different from having had that experience?
5: I have been happier in the last three years than I have in my whole entire life. And that's with the disease. And that's people around me that I love dying. I, have, I feel so much more, so much more deeply. And this is overwhelming feeling of constant appreciation for the good times and the good days. I feel like before we said this, comfortably numb. You're comfortably numb and it's not your fault. That's human condition. We plod on, we get on with things. And when things are good, we're like, oh, that's nice but now when things are good i'm like oh my god you know that scene in um 500 days of summer when he like finally shags her and he's like walking down the road that's what it feels like and it could just be something as simple as like oh my god the shower water pressure is amazing today but it's it's those things i know that's definitely changed in me and it isn't and i'm i'm liking myself more and more and more each day and i'm not perfect i'm not saying i'm great i just am very accepting of the person i am and i wasn't before i was very very nasty to her and i try not to do that anymore makes me happier
1: what about you joe sorry was it the same for you from having been through what you've been through with your own personal mental health does how has that changed you do you know what i mean how how like that idea of feeling everything more and a good day being a really good day and i i you know you read a lot of people say that when they've had depression they're so grateful for being out of it and being in a different space do you do you have that
4: yeah i mean i i think for me i i feel like i i feel like i always felt this way um, and I think when I had a, a really 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 bad period and I went on to um, uh, medication and I, I have to say when I came off mm. that medication that's the moment mm. that's the moment where you suddenly go all of those things where you're thinking normally I'd be really really happy about this I'd be overjoyed by this something that's happened and actually all I'm thinking is yeah this is okay mm. and then coming out of it the other end going okay now I remember why this was mega exciting and why mm. I'm really loving it and and it does make you appreciate um, the really really good days mm. because I, I know that the bad days could come at any point and, yeah. and that's okay yeah, that's and right. I'm going to roll with <laughs> it's it it's going to happen exactly
6: exactly.
5: A bird is going to shit on you <laughs> but people... you will lose your keys <laughs> but
1: people get really scared of that don't they you know people get scared I mean I can't imagine cancer and depression mm. you know that, that level of fear uh, that it's going to come back but people do people get scared of making mistakes don't they or getting things wrong or not making the most of things as well I think that that's a real pressure it's to have it all
5: pressure yeah. I've said it it's over you don't need to have it all the thing is we can I don't want it like I just feel like there's too many plates to spin and societally we are made to feel like we have to be this person aspire to have everything every box ticked and yeah. that will be happiness and actually all I've realized is that doesn't matter yeah. you've got to do what makes you happy and when I'm actually feeling at my most weak mentally and most stressed out is when I'm trying to do too much and I'm massively overwhelmed and that's when I that's when I wobble it's when I wobble every time
4: and that whole, t- just that tiny appreciation of little things mm. that, you know, if you wrote them down or if you shared them with everybody, they'd be like, oh, God, really? But they're just those tiny, tiniest little things. So for, I tell you that the, last night and one of the things that I really, really love lying in bed um, window open and I can hear the owl and I don't get to hear the owl very often but the, but the beauty of the owl is just like and, cause it, and it's just like that's a really precious beautiful moment no it's not really but it is yeah. <laughs> it's that yeah. appreciation of it tiny is, things right yeah
5: like I, I just love getting in like I did it yesterday I got into bed when it was still light outside and there's something about getting into bed when it's still light outside it's naughty isn't it what is it, it me <laughs> maybe it's from like nabbing as a child but I was like it's still light look at me in bed at 8pm <laughs> rock and roll <laughs> And it's but it's such a nice feeling I get so much joy. I'm like content. Someone actually asked me, a boy that I messaged, a boy. Yeah, don't worry, it's nothing to write about. I just messed up with chatting to him. And and he was like how are you and I was like I'm good and I said no actually I'm great I spent the whole day at the marathon I'm in bed already I've got a belly full of nandos I'm having the nicest day and he's like oh that's so nice to hear I'm like yeah <laughs> but I was so happy
2: what I love is that we as individuals are all very open about talking about mental health but I know from my own personal experiences when I was really suffering with my mental health issues um, I actually felt very lonely um, and I think loneliness is one of the the worst things about mental health for me especially if you are potentially here in the audience or at home listening and you're having that kind of niggle of oh this is all sounding a bit like me but you don't feel like you can talk to someone and maybe talking to someone is such a massive step what is the tiny baby stepping stone in beginning to talk to somebody?
4: I I think for me, it's finding somebody that you absolutely trust. And um, you can have the conversation that doesn't necessarily mean that you start opening up about how you're personally feeling. But you might want to just start with a, a sense of the topic area, maybe, and then see how you get on. And I think that when we start to reach out to people... It can be really humbling for the person who you reach out to because there's a massive sense of trust there. And handled absolutely right, people just will open up and talk. And, you know, the whole thing around talking sometimes gets a little bit of bad press because we know that we've got, you know, you know, we need services, we need all of those kinds of things. I think my big thing would be never, ever, ever to underestimate the value of talking and, and most importantly, the value of listening. So that's a tiny, just that tiny step, somebody that you really, really trust that you can just be around, even if you're not gonna talk about your mental health. We, we always ask everyone, who comes on
1: wobble if you wobble? What's the thing? Now, Lauren, do you remember what you said last time? I said boys. She did. <laughs> she said boys. boys. How, how is it now? How is it now? Do you know what? It's a weird
5: one. Because I think, in some respect, boys will always make me wobble. But that's because I am, um, this is my Achilles heel, is my heart, because I'm quite open with it. So when someone drops it or like gives it a little bit of a punch, it hurts a lot. But I feel like what I've done now is I think before, it's been a whole year, it's mental. I think I was in a very different headspace. I'm sure you've obviously seen First Dates now and you saw how that one went. But I think after that, I realised, I think I was in a headspace where I really wanted to feel loved because I wanted to feel worthy. And now I know I am. So I don't need it, but it would be nice to have it. That is a nice space to be in. Like, I genuinely feel like, without sounding really like, oh, yes, I'm it's not about like me being fabulous. I genuinely think I'm going to meet someone because I don't care. Like I am so content in who I am. I love my job. Touch Touchwood, my health's all right. I've got a scan next week. I need you all to be doing some really good, positive mental attitude channeling for me. But I genuinely feel content, and I think that will then attract someone who's right for me into my life. I think right now, what makes me wobble is what I said earlier: when I when I overfill myself and I overstimulate myself, and I don't listen to those little warning signs to stop and just be. That is what definitely makes me wobble: is the overwhelm. What about you, Joe? Um, so I think my uh, I've got
4: two really one of them's a bit serious one of them's not so much but for me it's the kind of self-critical thoughts oh my god they're such a pain in the arse I mean seriously where do they come from and why you know and, uh, and so, so that's, that's, that's the first one and then um, the husband who I've just bigged up I'm now going to completely knock down <laughs> Because, um, you know, when you have that conversation, many of you will know you've had that conversation with somebody that you really love and trust, and then you say, darling, if there was anything about me that you'd like to change, it's bad, right, uh, <laughs> what would it be? And, uh, and so he very lovingly looked at me and went, well, you don't really have any ankles, do you, Joe?" <laughs> So uh, I'm pleased to say that, that my husband and I, I love him to bits. He'll kill me for sharing that, by the way.
2: <laughs> He'll never say it again, really, though, will he? Really, he really,
4: really will kill me for sharing this. But, but the good news is that we have been together for 22 years. So, you know, it can't all be bad, right? Yeah. But yeah. And so nobody look at my ankles now. That's all <laughs> None of They're that. great. Also, I think the lesson
1: here is don't ask. Yes. Don't ask. Ask. Never ask. ask what would you Never. change about me ever. <laughs> ever. Um thank you. Thank you both Joe and Lauren. Thank you so much for being on this episode of Wobble. It's just it, I can't tell you how grateful we are and how glorious it's been to have thank you Thank you for having us. I like love that. I love, love um, you guys. thank you all for coming. Thank you honestly to be in this space in this room and have this chat with you tonight is so special and it means so much to us. So thank you.
2: And thank you Kirsty for doing an amazing meditation yes. at thank the you start. So much. Of Kirsty
1: Thank You Kirsty thank you um, also I want to say thank you to Shola Shola's done all the microphones and all the amazing tech stuff tonight um, do feel free to stay. We're not going to kick you out straight away. Um, there's more fizz if you'd like a drink. Um, you can absolutely. I think Joe and Lauren, you can stay for a couple of yeah, minutes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, come up if you need to have a chat. If you if you want to have a chat, um, and we're going to be here as well. Um, but thank you all so much for coming. And finally, Joe and Lauren, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>
2: And a massive thank you to Olivia Burton for allowing us to talk so openly about mental health. It means a lot to Sarah and I. Yes. Thank you. Thank you.